Welcome to A Gamer's Story. I'm Noah Geekus, avid fan of gaming and gamers alike. Each episode will feature in-depth conversations with gamers from all areas of gaming. Have you ever wondered about the actual gamers themselves? Their motivations? Their home lives? Their quirks? Just how much time they actually spend gaming? And their thoughts on the future of gaming itself? Join me as I ask them just these questions. Are you ready? I'm very excited to welcome our special guest for today's episode of A Gamer's Story. CEO of Amuka Sports, Ben Pfefferman. Ben is here today to talk about how he got his start in esports and gaming and how it led him to becoming the CEO of Amuka Sports, which owns and operates not one, but two esports arenas in Canada and has produced over 300 events in all of the Tier 1 and Tier 2 titles. Let's get started. I think it's great that you um, got into the the esports business. I think it's a ton of fun, and it's uh, and while it's competitive, it's also like really fun, especially for the audience members. And, and that being said, I think it's also like an interesting industry because it's fairly new. So I think that the fact that you jumped right into it is like very courageous of you, and I think that it worked out for you in a big way. Yeah, thank you. You know, so far so good, and uh, there's still a lot of innings left to play in this game, so it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I mean, I love esports. Uh, where does esports fit into the gaming world? Yeah, no, it's a good question. A lot of people ask kind of what's the difference between esports and gaming. When we talk about esports, we mean playing video games at a competitive level, so that could be, you know, in a beer league, you know, for uh, bragging rights, or it could really be in front of 100,000 people with a $40 million prize pool. So we talk about esports, we mean playing video games competitively. People think that's anywhere from as low as a billion to $10 billion industry right now. Um, the overall gaming, like video game industry, is already over 150 billion. It's bigger than you know film and, and music combined. So it's a massive industry that keeps growing and growing. Yeah, and uh, I think that Esports will grow with it, and like obviously games came before esports, but it's it, it's still now they're both growing because gaming is growing. So obviously esports kind of falls behind, and as new games are being created, different people can get into esports because they didn't like maybe like Overwatch, but they do like something newer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think there's there's for sure a generation or two of kids that let's say grew up with no interest in playing traditional sports maybe they weren't athletic maybe just didn't interest them whatever it was and now we're seeing you know that generation being able to find a place in esports to be able to be on a team to build and hone all those skills you have with playing with teammates communicating problem solving strategies all that stuff you can now do with esports and if you're not into uh what they call you know mobas uh you know a game like league of legends or dota you know, maybe you're into shooter games or maybe you're into fighting games. There's a lot that sort of uh, esports has to offer for you. Yeah, like a wide variety of uh, choices. I, th- I think that's definitely something that's really important to offer uh, a selection. Because gaming re- like regularly offers that kind of thing. They have shooters and RPGs and all this kind of stuff, which is one of the reasons why gaming is so great. If there was only first-person shooters, then the people who don't like first-person shooters wouldn't game. Yeah. I would also add to that is is accessibility, right? Like, 
one of the challenges is that not everyone can afford a PC, you know, to be able to run some of the, you know, PC only games. So, you know, I think game developers now are trying to create like Valorant. Valorant could have, could have had much better graphics, for example, but it was important for Riot Games to be able to create a game that could run on more your average Joe computer. And even just in general, game developers are trying to create games that are, you know, cross-play and work on PC, console, mobile to address the fact that computers are expensive and they want to make sure that everyone who wants to play their game can afford to do so. Yeah, really interesting. I mean, quality is definitely important and also portability and like things like that because that's why mobile games are so popular. They have so much portability and also games on your computer. Like consoles, you can't move, but your laptop, you can, which is why sometimes you need to control your the size of your game. So I think that's a really important point. Moving on. Why don't you expand on what made you want to start an esports business? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's kind of a case of looking around, and you know, I, I had this idea of like a whole esports ecosystem. I wanted there to be one place where you can you can play, where you compete, where you can create content. There was tournaments, you know, all under one roof. But I just didn't see that, at least in my market in Toronto. And so I created it. Like I, I think all companies start based on identifying a problem and coming up with a solution. I just think it was very fragmented. You know, one guy is organizing tournaments, one guy has a venue, and one guy is creating some content, and they're not all working together. I wanted to change that. So that's why I went in. I'm not a huge gamer. Like, I, I love the industry. I, I do play Fortnite. You know, that's, that's my game. I can handle that. And I do play Roblox and Minecraft all the time with my kids. But... Yeah, I didn't come from a place of being a hardcore gamer. I came from a place of just appreciating the entertainment value that it brings and wanting to create something for that. Yeah, I think that you're definitely bringing like all those people together to uh, connect even easier, um, especially since you didn't see anything like that in the area that you were in and you decided to innovate and just create that thing, which is that's amazing as i didn't see like any like kids doing gaming podcasts so i was like well it's something important so i decided to do it and it's been doing pretty good so far so and and i I have to say it's amazing because you know i've been on a few podcasts and um you know they're run by adults and you know when i saw your clips of your show i was like yeah it's pretty crazy Uh, i don't know how old you are i'm not gonna ask you but you're definitely younger than you know most podcast hosts and i think that's great that you're getting out there and you're starting this podcast and that's amazing like uh tremendous amount of respect for you oh no it's fine my age is uh, 13 i'm 13 yeah so yeah I, I and i think that the fact that you you just created something that that you saw wasn't there and that you you can still enjoy games with your kids even though you're not like the most hardcore gamer ever it's still really really good yeah, I, I think it's important, even though I play Fortnite with my friends, you know, I'm 37. So I game with people my age because that's what I want to do when I play. But sometimes, you know what, I'll just jump into a random lobby, a, a random squad and play with kids, you know, who are much younger than me just to know what's going on. Like just to get a feel like so I don't lose touch of the gaming world and I don't get too old and out of touch with reality. And um, yeah, I have a lot of fun, you know, like just playing with random strangers yeah i mean i definitely like play solo 
But yeah, sometimes I just hop into a random lobby and, and if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, it doesn't, you know? Yeah. It really depends on the game. You know, if I jump into a random Counter-Strike game, it, it, there's so much toxicity. Like everyone will be yelling at me and, and I don't really care because to me it doesn't matter. But I also, by just jumping in randomly, I get an idea of some of the challenges and negatives in gaming. And I think like, like that level of toxicity in certain games in particular is bad. And sometimes I just want to experience it myself to, to really understand. Yeah. I think that too. So, um, what's the goal of your business and what service does it provide? Goal is to make money and to make as much money as possible. So, that's the, the cold, hard truth. That's why anyone goes into business to make money, to be profitable. Uh, I take a lot of pride in the fact that, you know, we got 15 people that can earn a living and make a career, you know, working in this industry. So, you know, out of the gate, I'll be a, I'll admit that's the goal. I think kind of when I look at what we can do, you know, sort of as a company is we could really bring gaming to the masses. You know, why is someone going to come into my gaming arena when they can play NBA 2K at home for free? And the reason is, is that when you come into our arena, you feel like a pro. And for one hour or two hours a night, we take you out of your world as a accountant or student or retail manager, whatever you're doing, and you feel like a pro. You're on the stage, there's lights, there's cameras, it's streamed on Twitch, there's casters. And so I'm really passionate about the fact that, you know, we're able to give everyday people like you and I, you know, that ability to come in and play and, and feel like a pro. Yeah, uh, I think that people with like jobs and like, and people who are doing like things that, like that normal people do, like they're working their jobs and living their life. They, sometimes they just want to escape, and I think that um, if you're providing a way to do that, that's really important, if you know what I mean. Exactly. People are living boring lives as lawyers and accountants and financial advisors and things like that. And hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. Like These are great jobs and they pay the bills, but at the very least, yeah, I, I take pride in the fact that you know we can trans transform you from whatever you are into a you know a pro gamer for an evening. Yeah, absolutely. I think that giving people a chance to experience what they haven't gotten to experience before and like get to you see what it's actually like to be in the seat of a, a pro gamer. And I think that's just just incredible. Yeah, it is. So hopefully um, anyone who's watching, if you're ever in the Toronto area, uh, you'll come by and experience it or whatever it is. I'm just, hopefully there's a good gaming venue in your town, in your city, and you can go and, and get that experience. Yeah. With that, I think we'll move on to the next question. So what made you focus on esports of gaming? Yeah, I just think that that's the part of, well, what are, what are the other options? I'm not a game. I, I can't make games. I wouldn't be good as a game publisher. I don't have experience kind of in that area. Um, and so esports was just, you know, sort of better suited for my skill set is, is building communities, um, getting people together. Um, and that's why I really focused on esports versus kind of other other parts of the overall gaming industry. Yeah, I think that esports is definitely a part of the gaming industry that has been explored, but still has more things to uncover. And I think that even though gaming uh, and game developing is a popular, a really popular thing, I was thinking that um, game developers 
are are definitely it's definitely an option, but for people who are normal, esports making an esports business is doesn't necessarily require a lot of attention on the games themselves, just the people who want to be in that market. I mean, obviously you need to choose the games that the people will be playing and they get to come in, of course, but like, it's also a lot about the people themselves and like, in the, in where you are and, and all that different stuff. So you don't actually have to be like, you don't have to play like six hours a day or seven hours a day, or you don't have to be like super in on gaming trends. It's more of an option for people who don't want to go too extreme into gaming and who, who want, but who also want to be in that community. Yeah, exactly. We run tournaments and, and leagues and all sorts of different games. So whatever you're into, you know, we're trying to do that. I, th- I think what's important is let me ask you, Noah, like what games do you play? I play uh, Valorant, Fortnite sometimes, Minecraft. I play League, but not as often anymore. I like a ton of games, actually. It's hard to recall them all, but I do play a lot of shooters because I'm pretty good at those. Yeah, so I think think where the industry has to go is that, let's say, let's use League of Legends as an example. Sure. So let's say, you know, if your parents came to watch you play League of Legends, would they understand what's going on? Probably not, no. Yeah, and so, and, and that's not, not, not your parents, that's me, that's it's anyone who doesn't play League of Legends. If you don't play the game, you don't follow it. And I think what has to happen more is that broadcasters, you know, when you're either at the pro league or at the amateur level, have to do a better job to explain the game to people who don't play. You know, I don't really follow tennis, okay? But if I were to... T- turn on the TV and watch tennis, I get the, you know, I can follow along, right? It's pretty straightforward. League of Legends, if you just turn it on, you would have no idea. So I think broadcasters have to do a good job so that anyone can come hopefully to an Overwatch game or League of Legends and be able to follow and have a good time. Yeah, that brings up a good point, by the way. Casters are definitely important. And um, I think that they definitely help to to make people understand the game better, not only that, but to give exciting content for people listening. Because, I mean, if the game was just silent, you just saw two people fighting each other, it would just be nothing. No, but if a game of uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, which is another game I play, came up on the screen, you'd kind of kind of get it that they're fighting each other and get thrown off the stage, but newscasters bring important dialogue to help you not only understand but get excited when a big move is happening or or when one of the top players just got beat or or won or anything anything happens at all and the casters will be will be talking and they'll be helping newer people understand or people who've never even seen or played it before and they're helping they're helping older people to to get excited and, yeah. and just understand the the how big the moment is if that makes any sense yeah, no, it's so true. It's, Smash is actually a great example. I feel like Smash casters are among the highest energy. And even if you don't really understand what that play was, when they go crazy, you go crazy. And you get excited. And, yeah, absolutely, they, they play a huge role. And I've watched, you know, we have a pro team in Rainbow Six. There's a huge difference between when I watch pro casters, you know, at the Six Invitational, and when I watch... A community game you know the quality is so obvious and it really changes how you experience the game 
yeah, uh, I think that, yeah, and I think that casters do so much to, to the audience. I think that they're, they're, like, one of the main sources of, like, energy. They add more energy into the game itself. And, and I think that that's so important for esports because that's the biggest thing. You want to have that energy. You want to have the, like, radiance coming from the casters and the gameplay that makes everyone want to come back. And I think that it's, it's, it's so important. And I think that they do such a good job when it comes to um, video games, casters. Yeah, and I think that's why, you know, LAN is so, getting back to LAN events is so important. The crowd is a huge factor. Like, when the crowd goes crazy and they're cheering, everyone gets excited. And when it's online, you lose that, you know. So I think Call of Duty is going to be the first major event with fans in the stands, if if I'm not mistaken. So that'll be really interesting to watch coming up. I think it's at the end of August. So that energy of having, you know, a LAN event, a championships, a major event with fans in the stands is, is going to be amazing to see again. Yeah, as well as fans. Fans bring a ton of energy to the to the game. What do you think is missing in esports and where can it grow? Yeah, I think, you know, 60 to 70 percent of the industry is is are the revenues generated by sponsorships. So. You know, I, I think we got to see more brands get into esports. Like, it's crazy that so many automakers and so many retailers uh, are not in esports. So, I think once those sponsorship dollars really start coming to esports, then it's gonna, you know, it'll get massive. I think right now, everyone is a lot of companies just have a wait and see approach. They know it's gonna be big. They want to see how it shakes out. So, I think that's gonna be a big game changer. I think there's certain games coming out that have the ability to really, you know, change the game. I hate that's such a cliche. I'm, I'm never going to use that again. But, you know, new game titles, uh, everyone, whenever there's a new game, it's always the something killer. So I think I think Riot's going to, you know, whether it's their new fighting game or some Overwatch 2, whatever, whatever it is, any new game is, is going to take some market share away from other games. That's So that's interesting. And... I think we need a new genre. Like you have uh, shooters and fighting games and MOBAs, like and like tactical shooters. But that's it. Like there needs to be more rocket leagues. There needs to be more games that are just a genre of its own. And I think Ubisoft has a game coming out called I think it's called Roller Champions. Seen a beta of that. That has tremendous ability to be a new esport. So I I don't want to see another shooter. Like it's so boring. Like it's the last thing we need is another like tactical. A, a B site shooter. Uh, we need some new innovation. Yeah, I love Rocket League, and I think that Rocket League esports is incredible because you see all these crazy plays and this amazing stuff that you never see anywhere else. You can like in shooting games, you can see a three sixty no scope and, and be like, oh, that was so cool, <laughs> and then when you see it like five more times, you're like. Uh, it starts to lose a little bit of value. But, like, when you see a Rocket League play, it's like, unless somebody replicates that in the game, that's going to be, that's that. Like, no other game could even, come, like, could do the same type of stuff because these are cars hitting around a ball versus, like, CSGO, Fortnite, Valorant, like, all of those were literally just shooting people. And I think that that adds such a sense of, as I said earlier, not leniency, but flexibility. There you go. It, it adds a sense of flexibility to um, what you can do and what you can play and what genres there are for, for you to play. Yeah, exactly. I also think 
you know, fitness and gaming is going to be a big thing. And I'm not talking about VR. I'm talking about like, you know, sort of like the the virtual of the sport. Like iRacing is a great example. So iRacing is so close to the game that people that compete in iRacing can actually get into a car, a race car, and drive on a track. I think we're going to see more crossover between sports, at least on the fitness side, and gaming. And those games, I think, are going to have awesome, awesome competitive scenes. Yeah, I think that, as I said, when you create, when you add new genres to things, it just gives the viewers and the players way more flexibility to do what they want with their favorite games and with the new stuff that's coming out. And now there's like more sports related games and stuff and like like cool things like that. Like not Madden, but like I mean technically Madden is an example, but like not Madden. I mean like uh, there's this new dodgeball game that I don't remember the name of, but it's yeah, Knockout City. Yeah, you're yeah, you you got it, Knockout City. Yeah. yeah, which looks really cool, and I think that it's different. It's really different. It's not just your shooter style game. It's just fun in a different way. It's sports, but not Madden, but it's not a shooter either. It's it's different. Yeah, I'm with you. Madden is a great game, but yes, exactly. Games where you're actually physically doing it. Like, I want to see a football game where I'm going to, like, throw something or I'm going to run. And whether it's VR or whether it's motion sensors, whatever it is, but I, I want to be more... I, I just don't feel I'm playing football on the couch. Like, it just... Yeah, yeah. But with with new games coming out, you're going to feel like you're really playing football. You're going to feel like you're actually taking a jump shot or swinging at a home run, etc. Yeah. So, where do you think gaming is headed? Yeah, well, well, we touched on some of those mm-hmm. in terms of the innovation, things like that. In terms of technology, like, or just trends, everything is going to be mobile. I think the PS5, this is my prediction, that's the last console they're ever going to make. There's not going to be a PS6. This is the end. It's all going to be cloud, you know, it's all going to be cloud-based, whether it's, you know, Stadia or Netflix, you know, taking more of a market share. And these and Sony and Microsoft are doing the same thing. Like, there's just no need for that type of hardware anymore. And I also think PC is is going to slow down, and then the future is going to be mobile. Phones are just so fast. I'm taking this interview on my phone, and in many many parts of the world, they just don't have the financial means to have a PC or a console. And why would you make a game that excludes that? So, the future is mobile. I think VR is also going to be a big part of it. Uh, it still takes time. Like the technology still is kind of a bit far behind and we don't have any AAA titles, but those are two trends that I would watch. Yeah, I've definitely heard things about mobile gaming taking over and I honestly don't know. I, th- I like hearing everyone's opinions because that does factor into what I think about it. But I do think that mobile does provide a kind of a two for one in the way that you're getting a phone and you're also getting a form of gaming. And especially when like, League of Legends uh, just moved over to mobile. If you ever heard of Magic the Gathering, Magic the Gathering Arena, which was the game on the PC, just moved over to mobile. So I think the League is as well. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then at one point Fortnite did, and then yeah. So every so now it's kind of becoming a thing, and eventually maybe there's a possibility that everything, every console game or a ton of them at least will come over to. the mobile which i find interesting and I, I i mean i don't know yet because it's it's impossible to really tell until it happens but yeah do, do you play any mobile games some but nothing 
pretty. I don't play that often. Yeah. You know, I, I think the value proposition is look. Let's say I wanted to play a game. I have to. If I'm playing PC, I have to sit at my sit at the table, sit at my you know at my desk. And if I'm playing a console, you know, it's, it takes like three four minutes to boot up my Xbox and like get into the game. I, I think the game changer is is the Steam Deck. So now you're going to say, well, Ben, what if what if you could take your computer games anywhere? And that's where Steam Deck is going to change everything, where now all the PC games that I'm playing, I'm now playing on, on a portable device. Yeah, and I think that if you could take your PC everywhere, that would be amazing. But, I mean, if if there's going to be um, augmentations like um, that allow you to uh, put your computer on your phone, then it's definitely going to be advanced. I think that mobile provides, like, something that it's so easy it's in your pocket even if you do move your computer you're gonna have to take it either with your hand and like hold it or like put it in something and and that's just a hassle you have a pocket on your pants then you can just put your phone in there and then it's, it's done you pull it right back out and get back to gaming so it's it's just so easy and i think that there's definitely gonna factor in now the, the problem for game developers is the Apple and Google ecosystems are very expensive. They're taking 30% cut of your game sales, of all your microtransactions. And so that's a very prohibitive model for them. So how there's no way to get around it. You can't play a web-based mobile game. Like it wouldn't work. So Steam, the Steam Deck is really now the first way. And again, it's not really mobile. It's but you know what I mean, like a portable yeah. device. Yeah. It's, it's still you know, you'd consider a console. But um, that's the closest they can get in order to sort of not have to be in the Apple ecosystem, but still be in people's pockets or living rooms or whatnot. So do you think that VR games will eventually replace console games? Uh, no. Well, I mean, I, I don't really think there's going to be console anymore. I think it's really mobile is going to be people are going to create games mobile first. But yeah, in general... Um, no, I, I don't think VR is going to take over. I think it'll be 10, 10 years before it has like a m- massive market share, but it'll slowly, it'll slowly eat away in, in 50 years, maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say. Everyone thought 3D TVs were going to be the next big thing. I don't know how many people watch anything on, on a 3D TV, right? That's dead. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's. It's hard to see. you. We can't see the future. That was not gifted to us as one of our our many powers, which we have zero, of course, because we are humans. Yeah. But we did have brains. Any words of advice for me as a young gamer? Yeah, sure. So maybe I'll just kind of sort of give some final thoughts here, and, and that's a good uh, sort of segue. You know, out of the gates, I always tell people be be a thought leader, and you're doing you're doing that exactly. You, you know. Whether it's, um, you know, posting content or commenting on the news and trends, whether it's being a, a streamer or content creator or podcast host, that's how you make a name for yourself in the industry. And, like, that's one of the most important things. The second would be to get out and volunteer, you know, uh, volunteer uh, at your local esports uh, venue or with a tournament organizer or, you know, just get involved in the scene, be active. That's the best way to meet people, compete. And if I were to give a third one, uh, would be kind of learn is, you know, how, how did I learn about everything esports? I watched like a gazillion podcasts and TV. I, I watched like every single video the score has like ever made or the center ring, uh, the business of esports podcast. I just, 
can immerse myself in the subject matter. So same thing. Uh, that's what I would do is just, yeah, watch a lot of content, find who you like, follow them, stay abreast with the trends and uh, you're going to have a bright future in the industry. Well, thank you. And also, you're super relatable when you said, like, you just immerse yourself in the videos. Like, when I was learning Magic the Gathering, going back to that, you know, uh, literally all I did was watch videos for a whole, like, summer. I, it was interesting. And then when I finally, like, actually started playing, I was winning and I was, like, doing really well for, a be for like, a beginner. And I thought, and I th I thought that was really cool and I learned pretty fast. Yeah, exactly. With that being said, what do you want my audience to know that I haven't asked you? I think that's good. You know, if people want to check us out, they can. Um, I have my show on a YouTube channel called Made in Esports. So you can find that on YouTube. Otherwise, you can find me on LinkedIn, Ben Fefferman, Twitter, 5K Fef. But yeah, just drop me a line. I'm always happy to chat and meet new people. And um, that's amazing and with that being said we are actually at the end of our interview so thank you so much mr pfefferman for uh coming on my show it, it's been an amazing time my pleasure you know it got me into the pool and uh so yeah it's a win-win thank you so much yeah no worries my pleasure Ben, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I'm so glad we were able to discuss how your company and how esports has evolved to become an inclusive space for all level and types of athletes and gamers. For those listening, please make sure you follow Ben Pfefferman and Amuka Sports on all of their social media accounts. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Gamer Story Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, Please share it with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for me, you can reach me directly at thegamestory.com. Thanks for listening.